And welcome on in to Dynasty Never Rest, a podcast focused on Dynasty fantasy football, trades, and awesome guest stars. This is our second show, and I'm excited to introduce our next incredible guest, Nick Scripp, or how many of you may know him as P2W Fantasy. Welcome, Nick. What is up? What is up? Really appreciate you uh, you having me on here. Uh, I feel like we have a good relationship uh, through the the Twitter space, and uh, I host my own show, so I'm always happy to uh, not have to prepare a show and just <laughs> on another one. So I, I do appreciate you having me on, and I'm excited about today. Yeah, we're we're definitely excited to get down talking a little free agency because it's been pretty wild out there the past four days, you know. Devonte Adams, an hour ago, got traded to be a Raider. Uh, I'm not mad about it, as we're both resident Chicago Bears fans. And so, to uh, to make Darnell Mooney the third best wide receiver in the division, I don't I don't hate that. No, it's not a not a, not a bad thing at all. I feel like for for once in my life, I can like actually root for Devonte Adams, who I've respected immensely throughout his career. But it's just so hard to root for a a Packers player. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of <laughs> happy he is no longer green and uh, yellow. Yeah. My dad, he's a um, diehard bears fan and he will not own any Packers on any of his fantasy teams. Oh, there you go. That says a lot right there. I'm a yeah. huge Jersey guy. I have literally, I have over a hundred basketball, football, soccer, whatever jerseys. And I would have loved to have a Devonte Adams jersey. I just, I couldn't buy his <laughs> Packers one. But now, now you have the opportunity Yep, absolutely. All right, so let's get into it, and um, let's talk about some free agency, but let's focus it in on the Bears first, um, just because we have common ground there, and and it's going to be really easy to talk about. So, um, first of all, who have the Bears picked up that you – have really liked the acquisition in free agency. You know, the 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 first three moves that they made, I liked. You know, I, at first I didn't know much about, and I'll butcher his name, but the defensive tackle, Larry uh, Ogun Joby. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know, uh, you know, too much about him in all honesty, but then I saw that he just had his uh, career year in sacks, and he also looks like an absolute monster, and it's a position we need we need more guys rushing the passers for the other team especially with Matt gone who was defensive end this guy's a defensive tackle still you need guys uh lucas patrick from the green bay packers i like the fact that he has some versatility he can play guard he can play center and we need that we need more guys protecting justin fields that was my main two things i said we need mm-hmm. offensive line and then we need receivers and then the last guy nicholas uh morrow from the the raiders I play IDP, so I actually paid attention to this guy before, and he profiles as a very athletic linebacker, which I think next to Roquan on one of the sides, Smith, is going to be awesome. I, I actually really like that move for the linebacker position. I was a fan of his. He just wasn't super healthy this past season. Now, the the, the two wide receiver additions, <laughs> not, not super sexy, not really into either one of those. Uh, I'm not sure about yourself. Yeah, I mean, they're they're both – bench guys to me like they don't deserve to be in a starting lineup they they're just depth pieces to me um i'm hoping that the bears still go target a big guy in free agency like juju um to kind of cover our bases have a 
have a good vet wide receiver and then go after somebody in the draft. Um, um, now let's move off the Bears a little. Who do you think has been the the best or most surprising free agent acquisition thus far? Ooh, that's a that is a big question <laughs> in itself, right there. Um, I mean, the Adams one that just happened, I think, surprised all of us just because Aaron Rodgers came back to Green Bay. We didn't know if he was going to retire. He had ties to you know the Broncos potentially. Um, I think the fact that we knew Rodgers was coming back, we thought it was a lock that Adams and him would give it one more chance. And the fact that he is going to the Raiders with uh, with Derek Carr, I thought that was one of the most surprising things. Obviously, we've had a bunch of other moves throughout the league that you know it trickles down to, to fantasy um, implications. Obviously, uh, you know Russell Wilson to the Broncos that was huge. Um, hopefully that gives some of those guys a boost. So, uh, I think Adams, I know it's like recency bias, but I thought that was very surprising because, you know, even if we look at Russell Wilson, we kind of knew that there was a chance he would leave and we kind of knew that the Broncos would get a new quarterback and we can go down the list of, you know, where guys landed. We could talk about the Jaguars, you know, signing 65 uh, slot receivers. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I think Adams was just surprising because nobody thought he was going to leave, you know? Yeah, I definitely when that came through on the wire tonight, I was like, oh my gosh, how mad is Aaron Rodgers right now? Because he, he just inked his contract and then they send away. Alan Lazard is his number one receiving option right now. And that that just gives me so much joy. Yeah, that is that is interesting. I mean <laughs> Lazard's had some decent gains throughout his career, but you have to think that the Packers have to have a bigger plan because I don't think that Today, they just found out Devontae Adams is not coming back. I feel like they've kind of yeah. had to know that this writing was on the wall. Well, I think that once they – I think they probably had it in place and they wanted to get Rodgers signed and in-house before they pulled the trigger on the move because, like, 15 minutes after the trade was solidified, Adams already had a contract extension. So – so it feels like this was premeditated, like they already knew something yeah. that was going to happen. And one of my favorite signings was uh, <clears throat> the Miles Jack signing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that they needed a middle linebacker, and while he's no Bobby Wagner, he's he's pretty good at what he does. And they didn't have to spend a ton of money on him, and so I think he was just a an absolutely needed signing for the Steelers. He'll fit into that system really well. And, um, you know, he wasn't a bank buster. So I, I just thought that was a nice signing for them. I, I agree to that because this past season, for some reason, it just became known that that running backs were going to tear up the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is like a weird thing to think about. Devin Bush looked <laughs> pretty bad at times too, uh, for most of the season, I'd say. And, there was even a time, you know, uh, weekly start and sits. I, I called for Deonta Foreman to be uh, a major start, and he tore the Steelers up. I mean, uh, they it was interesting to see them because we all think about the Steelers as a great defense, and they looked terrible on defense this year. So that was a great signing. I like that call a lot. All right. Who was your least favorite free agent acquisition out of the whole pool of free agent acquisitions? Whether it was, you just don't feel like the players quality or whether the contract details are, are pretty muddy. 
You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach on uh, on this one. I feel like a little bit just because I had like I had this bias for this player because I I've been a, a big believer in him before, but I I'm not gonna say I, I hate it the most because there's so many weird ones, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, with um, guys ending up in the same spot and things. But I I don't know if I really like the Russell Gage one, and and, and a lot of people see that the opportunity is there for Russell Gage. And uh, Chris Godwin might not be back for the first couple of weeks. So you look at that and you say, hey, if he's the wide receiver two for Tom Brady, he, his value actually might be pretty good. But most of my offseason stuff's been dynasty, right? And and I'm looking at this team and uh, there were so many other places that I felt that Russell Gage, who I think has earned himself a role somewhere the last two seasons. And he's, he's got all these opportunities because guys were hurt. Uh, Julio Jones two years ago was hurt. Calvin Ridley was hurt uh, a little bit um, th- that same year. And also this year he had the mental health uh, absence. But I wanted Russell Gage to go somewhere where I you know, thought he had a solidified role. And I looked at different numbers and I broke it down. And I don't want to bore anybody with that. But I- I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a world where, you know, Chris Godwin's sometime healthy. Mike Evans is healthy. Maybe Gronk is back. Maybe Fournette is back and he catches passes. And I'm like, where does Russell Gage fit in? So I think it was just like a deeper league call that I was like, go get Russell Gage. And then I, I don't know. I don't know. What's your, what's your thoughts about that whole? Yeah. There's a point in time where they, they're going to bring in a pass catching running back um, because Fournette was used in that role so much. And I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if Fournette find his way back, but, I think that Gronk will sign again. And so when everybody's healthy, Russell Gage is the fifth option in that offense. Yeah. And and that for fantasy purposes just just doesn't inspire me. Um Antonio Brown is a different athlete. He's he's on the same tier as as Gronk and Evans and Godwin. But when you Compare him to Russell Gage. Yeah, Russell Gage has been fine because of opportunity, but he's not going to have that much opportunity when everybody's on the field. So, yeah, I a $30 million contract for him being the third wide receiver on the team, it, it's, it's definitely not exciting for Russell Gage owners. Yeah, and uh, you know, I looked just just briefly here at wrapping wrapping that up. I looked at all the weeks that Antonio Brown played with both, uh, actually, all three of Mike Evans, Godwin, and Gronk, and it was just so unpredictable what targets were going to look like. There was a, mm-hmm. a week where he had seven targets and a touchdown, huge fantasy week. There was another week where he had uh, five targets and three targets, and um, it was just when I when I pick out guys for fantasy personally, I, I want solidified targets for my wide receivers. I don't want to mm-hmm. have to juggle and say this guy might get eight targets, but he also might get two. So that was, that was kind of my turnoff, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I guess my least favorite signing, I think I, we, me and Jake went over this um, on Tuesday and I said that Christian Kirk had been my least favorite signing just due to the numbers. Um, he, he had, hasn't ever supported a thousand yard, season and he's the third highest paid wide receiver well fourth now due to adam's new contract but i think will disley that signing is probably my least favorite i mean you paid the guy uh eight million dollars per year on a three-year contract and the guy hasn't crossed the threshold of 300 yards yeah i understand he's a good blocker 
But if he would have hit the free agent market, I'm guessing the max he would have gotten paid per year there is four to five million. Um, and so I'm thinking that they just grossly overspent and and they have a stud tight end in Noah Fant. And so um, I know Noah Fant's not a spectacular blocker, but I just it was just confusing on kind of all fronts there for me. What did you think? With Will Disley, you know, I, I've i never been a, a big fan. He, he's missed tons of games throughout his career. Uh, he, he's been a guy that didn't even start a lot uh, at times in 2020. Um, I'm, I'm with you, though. What do you, what do you what exactly are you paying for from him? If you're paying for a guy just to be out there and, and, and block, I, I think you can probably find cheaper options that focus solely on that. And uh, if they already have another guy in the system, I don't see them, like, running all these – sets that are always going to have two tight ends out there and one's always going to block and the other one's going to run, you know, a thousand routes. So right. uh, I, I do get that. I, I, I think that makes sense. People, people spend w- weird money sometimes. And I feel like every now and then you look at some of the deals that are made and, and you wonder if they like jump the gun, like they were nervous. They were going to miss out on Will Disley's pass blocking. So they just threw the money, you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's move on to the draft. And um, who are you, if you could pick one person for the Bears to draft, um, who would be your first, your primary target? So the Bears, uh, the luxury for them, they got two second round picks, right? Uh, They have a a third round as well. So, I mean, we can go down the list and say, oh, they have a fourth round too. But I, I feel like those three picks, they can, they can make some necessary moves. And I think that they need, a cornerback uh, with a C, and uh, I think that they also can continue to improve the O-line. But seeing as though we just signed uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's older brother that really is like his little brother because he's not as good and even close to as good, and then Byron Pringle, who like sometimes is better than Miko Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, but sometimes is behind those guys. <laughs> We, we need a receiver, and, you know, I, I tweeted out earlier, and I think you uh, chimed into it. I was like, man, I can we really use Juju in George Pickens was my guy because I feel like George Pickens was very high on a lot of scouts' lists before he was banged up in college and had the ACL injury. Uh, him climbing back into health and being productive, I think that says a lot about his, his work rate, his work ethic. But um, looking at the guy, 6'3", 195 pounds, very athletic, contested catches, good hands uh, out of Georgia. He's played against good competition. I think George Pickens, if he falls in the draft to where the Bears can take him, it would be a smash grab because I think we really need somebody that can complement Darnell Mooney, right? Darnell Mooney's this big deep threat guy who's explosive with the ball in his hands and things like that and having a, a athletic guy who can go up and grab balls and be physical like George Pickens. Makes sense to me. I mean, we can go down the list to the other guys that might be available in that range. Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Jahan Dotson. There's a bunch of other guys, but I I like George Pickens. Yeah, so if you would have been listening to the show last week, Jake's a Bears fan as well. Okay. And um, so we talked about Bears a little, and I asked him a similar question. And um, he said he wanted Juju in free agency. And then I said that I wanted George Pickens as almost like I as, put it together, man. As the draft pick. So when you posted that today, I was like, oh man, 
he's on the same wavelength here. There we go. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of options, um, but I do think that that the corner is um, is super important for the Bears. Um, it's maybe less important now that Devontae Adams is gone, but we still um, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. We don't have a second guy, and so I talked about uh, Bryce Callahan last night and, and saying that. Um, I would want him back in the system and, and I'm, I'm really familiar with the day one corners, um, but not so familiar with the day two corners. So um, I'm hoping one of those day one guys falls and we can snag him in the second round as well as George Pickens and, and, and help Justin Fields, but also get that second cornerback slot. Yeah. Nine nine picks away for the two, the two, unless I wrote it down wrong, the two second round picks mm-hmm. are 39th and 48th. So, I mean, if they're eyeing two guys and, you know, it, it falls in their favor, they they can probably make uh, make some decent moves there if they take one and one. They take uh, the best receiver available and the best uh, cornerback available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, we, we also talked about just a pass rusher because we lost Goldman, Hicks, and Mac this off season. And so just restoring that O line um, with uh, Robert Quinn being 31 years old. Yeah. Um, it'd be nice to have a young guy in there. Um, so we'll just kind of have to see, I'm getting excited for the draft, but there's still a lot of good prospects and free agency out there. You know, Bobby Wagner, uh, Teron Armstead, um, Juju, some of these guys just I expected to be off the board and and they're just sitting there. Um, so we'll just kind of have to see how that plays out. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, when guys get cut, sometimes too I see all like the Bears uh, people chiming in like polls, like now's your now's your chance. And uh, some <laughs> guy actually had like a picture of him with these like laser beam eyes. So the people are fully into him making a move. It yeah. seems quiet at times, but. Um, I don't know. I, I guess the three moves we talked about earlier, we got to be happy about that personally. But yeah, when I saw JC Treader uh, get cut by the Browns, I was like, "Oh man, if Pulls could pull him, I would, I would be ecstatic." Yeah, yeah. All right. So let us move on to our sleepers. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to ask you to define what a sleeper is, so that if part of our audience doesn't know what a sleeper is and also i feel like it's a little volatile within the community um the definition of what a sleeper is you know some people are like if they're in the top 200 players drafted they're not a sleeper and and so i want you to kind of give uh how you round out the definition of a sleeper sure sure so uh this week i i released an article about uh QB upside, and I defined what I thought upside meant because just like you said, a lot of these fantasy terms are different person to person. I feel like there's no true definition to a lot of these terms. Your definition of sleeper is probably different than my definition of sleeper. Some people think that a sleeper is like a free player that's rostered in under 30% of leagues that is a deep league guy and, and you know is outside of the top, like you said, 200 players. I keep it simple. I, I feel like a sleeper 
is a guy whose cost now is much less than their value later. So, for instance, let's say you said, you know, Patterson from the Falcons this past season was a sleeper before the season. He wasn't being drafted very high, right? His cost was very, very small if you wanted to trade for him. But his value later was much higher than his cost originally. So that's that's kind of how, how I look at it is, uh, again, cost now versus production later. So that's, that's my definition of a sleeper, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a great definition. Um, and when you go by the other definition of, you know, somebody not in the two, top 200 players, it's really – you're just picking at players that, you know, have a small chance of hitting, small chance of changing their value. And so um, this kind of allows us to go into most tiers of players and and kind of address them. And so I definitely like this definition um, much better than some of the other definitions. So we're going to try to hit a little on each position. So going to do one QB, a um, couple running backs, a couple wide receivers, a couple tight ends. Um, and actually, I filled this out um, <laughs> before free agency. And so um, I am going to have to change my, my tight ends on the fly here um, because um, I don't think they're sleepers anymore. Things change fast. Things change fast in a dynasty. That's why I say a little, little like off topic, but I always say like, which I'm sure other people say too, but timing is key, right? Especially with free agency. So I was like pushing, if you're interested in player X, Y, and Z, make the move before they find a new home in dynasty, because once they do their price goes, goes up because all of our eyes are on that sleeper notification saying, (laughs) you know, Zach just got picked up by the Packers, your team. Right. Absolutely. All right. So why don't you start us off with who you have at your, as your QB sleeper? So, you know, I, I, all off season, I've been talking about Justin Fields, so I'm not going to be a bears Homer and say anything (laughs) about Justin Fields, but I still think he's like my number one dynasty buy. I had a whole board session about it and everything. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, with, uh, with Tua because I feel like Tua is very polarizing for people. I think a lot of people, are either kind of in, kind of out, really out, kind of in. It's it, it's it's not a consensus for Tua. And, you know, recently I saw a report that said the offensive coordinator said that they want to build uh, the system and have it tailored for Tua. And also their new head coach signing uh, is excited about Tua. So knowing that the coaching staff is buying in to Tua and Flores, I don't think before really was, especially with the reports that came out. That's a good sign. I was impressed this season with his completion percentage in in six of his 11 games played. He had 70-plus percent for his completion percentage. So he was efficient, uh, and we saw a glimpse of some upside week six and seven. He had over 20 fantasy points. Uh, What we do know, Jalen Waddell and him, good connection. Jalen Waddell was awesome this year, Um, and I think that year two of Waddell we'll see a lot. Mike Isecki is back. Mike Isecki and Tua had good glimpses of a of a connection that meant well for fantasy the only thing you know i I talk about upside all the time we got to see some sort of consistent upside the completion percentage could be there the connection for his weapons can be there i just want to see more consistent upside because we know he's not going to run the ball like jalen hurts right uh but he's also probably not going to throw the ball like 
like Patrick Mahomes has the ceiling of a three touchdown day at any rate. But I think with Tua's price right now versus what he could be, especially if the system continues to build, are two different things. So I'm going to go on a limb and say Tua. Yeah, I I really like that they brought in an offensive-minded head head coach that's going to just be great for a third-year quarterback who – who his rookie year was still still kind of dealing with that phantom injury. And so last year was really the first year we saw him comfortable. And so just getting a new system in which um, I think it'll just be a sharper offense. It'll just be a better offense, uh, an offense that's better suited to Tua. And so I think he, he will definitely rise in value. And I would love to see them um, add another – receiving option um i know they um added cedric wilson um not super exciting to me so if they they grab a receiver in the first three rounds um i would love to see that for to his stock um but ultimately i think he will improve on this year yeah they do need another option one one other plus that uh will help him is they brought in a better Miles Gaskin and Chase Edmonds. So I know that that doesn't mean he's going to throw the ball 60 yards at Chase Edmonds, but having a guy in the system that, you know, profiles as a pass catching back can, can help to a degree. But I agree with you about bringing in somebody else. Absolutely. So my sleeper QB here is Jameis Winston. I feel like Jameis Winston is going to be the fill in for whoever doesn't get Deshaun Watson. Um, because I think right now all those teams are just hoping that they get Watson. And then if they don't, you know, Jameis is this consolation prize. But I think that Jameis showed a lot of promise in the offense, even though Sean Payton didn't show a lot of trust in him and letting him do what he does, air out the ball. And and part of that, I think, was due to his wide receivers. You know, when you have Deontay Harris and Josh Johnson and Marquez Callaway, it's 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 not a great receiving core. And so you don't want to throw the ball a whole ton when you can't rely on anybody catching the ball. And so if he finds his way to, to Carolina or Michael Thomas stays put um, and is healthy at the Saints, I just think he'll he'll definitely have an uptick in value. He's he is the thirtieth QB off the board and super flex. Um, and I think that he just has QB one upside. Um, we've seen it before. Um, mind you, that was with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, but he has, he has shown us that, that QB one uh, ceiling that he has. And so um, just maybe being with the saints in the second, second year, or um, just getting some better weapons will just elevate his game and, and take him up from being the 30th QB off the board. I, I think that's that's a really good value for him right now. I I agree. I agree. I, I, I like I like Jameis Winston a lot in super flex leagues. I think again, right now, if you're if you're listening to the show or you listen to it, you know, in the morning or something like that, he hasn't been signed yet. So if you're looking for a quarterback, this might be the cheapest you're gonna get him in a while because if he does go to uh, the Colts or, you know, is solidified with the Saints. It's different than him just floating around. And uh, you you mentioned the the big season with the Buccaneers. It was his historic 
133 touchdown, 30 interception season. Yeah. He was the QB for that season. And you know what's scary? Interceptions subtract points for the most part. So let's say he only threw 15 interceptions that year. How many fantasy points would he have had? I mean, that just screams what his upside is. And even though he was conservative with the Saints this past season, I looked at quarterback upside like I mentioned earlier. Two of his seven games, so small sample size this past season, he had three-plus touchdowns, uh, which is one of the categories for upside. That was 28.57% of his games, uh, 14 touchdowns in seven games. So small sample size, but we know that he can throw touchdowns. And then if he is unleashed a little bit and he can have a higher passing yards, that's quarterback upside for you. And quarterback 30 would be an absolute steal if he literally lands anywhere. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to the running backs here. Um, and why don't you go ahead and go first here, and we'll kind of alternate. So this is uh, – so I got two guys that come to mind. I'll, I'll go through my first one, and then uh, we'll go back and forth here. But it's risky because I feel like there's the chance that somebody else is brought in. And the reason I say that is because we got punked this week and somebody else was brought in. And then that guy went back and was like, nah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going. But yeah, I think it's Devin Singletary because in the event that he is the lead back, we saw what his his value was with the touches he was getting. Because uh before um he was the guy in week 14, he had eight games under 50% of the snaps. So not super relevant. But when he was the guy, weeks 14 through 17 for fantasy, he ranged from 68 to 93% of the snaps, and he was the running back three overall. He averaged 18.3 fantasy points. Then in the postseason, he had 107 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, and seven catches in two games for Buffalo. So they highly trusted Devin Singletary from weeks 14 through the end of their season. He looked really good, and we've seen Devin Singletary before where, like, he looks good, then he looks bad, and then we don't really know what to expect. But he was pretty consistent. So, in my opinion, Buffalo, they just got rid of Cole Beasley. Gabe Davis maybe is one of their options. They need a, an elite second option for Josh Allen. I, I, I truly believe that because I feel like if they want to compete, they got to pair Stefan Diggs with, with somebody else that's going to draw attention. And I know they brought in O.J. Howard with Dawson Knox, whatever. But <laughs> Devin Singletary, if he is the guy, high value. Right now, what does he cost you? Um, I don't – you know, I can bring up keep keep trade cutter. I think he's okay, – in, in, in super flex dynasty, that's kind of how I just rate everything. But he's going in the ninth round. Ninth um, round. So that's two rounds be, behind Leonard Fournette. Um, kind of – one round behind AJ Dillon. So um, Interesting. He's, he's, he's back there, but people have started to notice him a little. Yeah. Yeah. In, in uh fantasy pros, I'm, the last time I checked, cause I did my own dynasty rankings and sometimes I'll peek at theirs and see where they got guys. I'm uh -huh. pretty sure he was outside the top 24. I could be wrong on that, but if he is outside the top 24 and he's a starter to say that he can't be a, a running back too, I don't know. I think he. I think he can be because we saw it. But uh, it's it's polarizing to me. As long as they don't bring in anybody that's going to take everything, then I think he can have some decent value. See that uh, part of that is my fear um, with Devin Singletary. Um, they did try to sign JD McKissick, and while yeah, JD yeah. McKissick isn't a world burner. He's not an incredible talent, but it screams to me that that they don't feel 
100% confident in Devin Singletary. So if they have the right guy fall to them in the draft, they might take him. Um, and so that, but that's just part of this whole game of dynasty. You have to sometimes take those risks. You have, have to have those risks baked in. And I think that that risk is baked into his value right now. And so if that doesn't happen, then he'll rise up in ADP. But if that does happen, then he'll shoot down. And so it's yeah. just just the volatility with that projecting whether the Bills sign another running back or not. And I think think uh, just to wrap up a thought on um, Singletary, I think, you know, McKissick, if he would have came in, he would have capped Singletary's receiving ceiling, right? And you know, I think that's better than if they tried to bring in like Leonard Fournette or Melvin Gordon, because right. then you know that that's like a workhorse back. So like, that's the optimism I have never been a Singletary guy, but I see the opportunity, I guess. And that's big for, for dynasty for redraft as well as just like seeing a potential opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how I feel with my first, um, sleeper running back here. Um, they, my running back here is Chase Edmonds. Um, they signed Raheem Mostert, and a lot of people are overreacting. Raheem Mostert is a 30-year-old running back who's never had over 200 touches in a season, and he has a lot of trouble staying healthy. Um, and so I don't think you should overreact. People are like, oh, Chase Edmonds is now strictly a third down back. I really don't think that's the case. I think... Chase Edmonds is going to hit around 13 to 15 touches a game um, when Mostert is healthy, you know, um, and they're going to run the ball a lot in, in that San Fran system. And, and so I think Chase Edmonds is going to have that, that elite receiving upside. I mean, he played 12 games last year and had over 40 receptions. Um, And so he, he does provide an elite for, when it comes to receiving value and then if they use him uh, a lot in that rushing role, whether it's, you know, 10 to 12 carries a game, that's kind of what I project. Um, It'll still be um, super fantasy relevant. And, and as I said, Raheem Mostert has just had problems staying on the field. He's 30 years old and most running backs hit a hill at 28, but, most hasn't been on the field the last two years so we haven't even gotten to see if he's hit that hill and so i think people um i would i'm buying chase edmonds all over because once the most signing happened everybody just relegated him to a third down back and he's going to be a lot more than that this season yeah i, I think so too i, I think if most shirts 100 healthy he'll have he will have some sort of role um i think it's just going to cap off if he is healthy, what people originally thought Chase Edmonds was going to be with the Cardinals before James Conner was there was like this this Alvin Kamara role, you know, where he is mm-hmm. pass catching, um, getting a ton of receptions, but also being the lead back as well. You know, I, I don't I don't know if he's going to get twenty touches a game or anything like that, but we we know what Chase Edmonds is, and uh, you mentioned how many receptions he had uh, in the twelve games. He had four games of five plus receptions. Uh, we, we know that's the way he profiles looking at his rushing. Um, he averaged 49.33 rushing yards, but if you take away the one 
game, he got hurt and he only carried the ball once. He averaged 53.54 rushing yards, but you know, that's, which is not a, the best of signs, but I will say miles Gaskin was so fantasy relevant. And if we look at like a talent perspective, who would you rather have uh, as your running back that's catching? Would you rather have Miles Gaskin, who like hats off to him for what he did, or would you rather have Chase Edmonds? And me personally, I'm taking Chase Edmonds, right? So Miles, yeah. So Miles Gaskin could find a way to be pretty fantasy relevant, maybe not this season, but the season prior. And now you replace Miles Gaskin with a a better Miles Gaskin, who's probably a better runner too. Then then I can see that. And if people are are uh, dipping his value because of Mostert, then I'm with you and I, I'd buy too. I've never been a Chase Edmonds guy, but I do see where he can get a ton of receiving work, still run the ball, and uh, and I can also see people being out because of Mostert. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that even though he was on pace for, for ju- just around 50 rushing yards a game, he was over five yards a carry. That's good. And so if he, if he gets more carries – you know, that yardage is going to go up um, because last season he had 5.1 yards per carry. And so he definitely has some upside with that. But I think the more work that he'll get, his efficiency in terms of rushing yards may start to drop just like Kamara's did. Yeah, agreed. All right, who's your second guy here? Second guy, so... This goes back with my definition of a sleeper, a guy that's cost right now and value right now might not be to what the production can be in the coming season. Because when I say the name, it's it's a it's a it's a bigger name, but my perception of my perception of Aaron Jones right now from the community <laughs> is that a lot of people are are kind of out on Aaron Jones because if you look at some people's rankings for Dynasty, people are starting to put AJ Dillon closer even higher some people i talked to uh, my friend dave in the space he had aj Dillon higher um people saw that the snap percentages were changing as the season uh went on for the packers even though aaron jones was a bit banged up but i really think that there's a perception that aaron jones is getting older and that because aj Dillon exists his value is not that great but the number one thing that stands out to me is aaron Rodgers is back and what mm-hmm. does aaron Rodgers do with aaron jones he throws him the ball a lot, a lot. He's the number one wide receiver right now. He is right now. He is right now. Even even with Devontae Adams, though, on the team in their playoff game, nine receptions for 129 receiving <laughs> yards. He had 41 rushing yards as well. I know A.J. Dillon uh, got hurt, I think, in that game, but he wasn't going to catch uh, nine passes from Aaron right. Rodgers. So he had huge games this past season. Four weeks of over 20 fantasy points. Uh, that week two game won everybody their matchup. He had 41.5 uh-huh. fantasy points. Had a career high of 52 receptions. I did a study um, of pass catching running backs that hit the 50 uh, catch mark in the past. And the, the percentage of those guys that finished his top 12 running backs was was fairly high year to year. I don't have it in, in front of me. But right. again, just because of the perception of Aaron Jones and, and people not understanding that Sure, A.J. Dillon exists. Sure, A.J. Dillon's going to get some work, but Aaron Rodgers is back, and he trusts Aaron Jones to catch the ball, and now they have no receivers. <laughs> Aaron Jones is, is going to be a steal in drafts if he slips. Absolutely. I feel like right now he and Melvin Gordon are being seen in a similar light. Crazy. And Aaron Jones is 26. Like He's two years younger than him, but they 
they seem to be seen in the same light and it's kind of kind of crazy um so yeah i think his value has dipped so much that he's gonna be an absolute he's an absolute sleeper right now all right my second guy is is a little deeper here but i'm gonna go with tony jones um tony jones had an injury last year but when he was on the field and he was getting the touches because they don't give Kamara uh, a full workload. Um, he's just one of the most valuable handcuffs in the game. Um, as long as they don't bring in Mark Ingram again or something like that. Um, he was, he was efficient on touches. Um, he was getting um, eight to 10 per game. And so that's, you know, there's a flex opportunity with that depending on how deep your league is. And, and he was, he was really good on the touches that he got. If Alvin Kamara goes down, I believe Tony Jones can take that full workload and, and do really well with it. We we saw Latavius Murray in the past just light it up in that role. Um, and I think Tony Jones um, can do similar um, in, in that same role. And so uh, he's a deep guy, but if you can send a, you know, a late third round pick for him and, and get him in dynasty. I absolutely would. If, if he ends up being the, the other back with Camara, I think it's, it's, it's a must grab player for even for redraft. If your benches are a bit deeper because, you know, we can dive in and, and look at his game splits and say, well, week three average six yards per carry, but he only carried the ball two times, but then we can go to week 12 and say, you know, he got 16 carries against Buffalo had a bad game. Other games, he showed some spark. Like we can nitpick the certain things, but I, I think historically we got to look at the Saints system and say, Latavius Murray, who you said before, when he got touches, he was efficient in that offense because that offense is operated in a certain way that running back should should have some efficiency. And and Kamara um, is a guy that gets complimentary, uh, however you say, complimentary uh, work in that system with Latavius Murray, but also Mark Ingram, you know, uh, not, not, you know, so many years back, but uh, uh, that that's, that's the premise I, I would have for Tony Jones is we've seen this system before where the other guy with Camara was fantasy relevant at some point, might as well stash him. Absolutely. All right. Why don't we move on to our wide receivers here? Um, who is your first sleeper wide receiver? All right. So, this is tough because the last two years he's been really banged up. And I feel like if you were to put him on your trade bo- uh, blah, block in your dynasty league, everybody would kind of smirk at it and you wouldn't get much for him. But if this guy's healthy in this, this coming season and I'm a contender, let's say I'm a contender right now and I think I can win and I'm looking for that last piece that might push me. Wait, can I guess? Yes. Is it Julio? It's Julio. It's okay. Julio for me. It's Julio. My thing is he's been injured, which again, does that come with age and wear and tear through the years? Maybe, but it's not like when he was healthy, he looked like crap. I mean, he looked very good when he was healthy in certain games. Week two, he had 18.8 fantasy points. He had 128 receiving yards. That doesn't look like a 33-year-old uh, wide receiver to me. And we had a skip ahead because of the injury, but week 18 started coming back. Five for 58 in the touchdown. That looks pretty good. And then in the playoffs, six catches for 62 yards. So we we see Julio went healthy. 
he, he, he does fine for fantasy. I mean, it's only two weeks this past season. Uh, actually, week 18 is outside of the fantasy world. But there's a chance that he ends up with the Bucks. I guess. That's the rumor now. That he ends up with Tom uh-huh. Brady. Or what if he ends up, and we're saying a bunch of what-ifs, but what if he ends up being that guy, like I mentioned earlier, next to Stephon Diggs in that uh, Bills offense? I think there's a lot of possibilities that he can sign a, a one-year deal with a contender, and if he's healthy, be very fantasy-relevant. And nobody wants Julio in your fantasy league, I, I promise you, as uh-huh. right now today. Maybe maybe, maybe you or I might because we look at this stuff way too much, but <laughs> – 2019 wasn't that far ago, but he was the the wide receiver four. And I know he's getting older and he's been hurt, but I'm taking a chance on Julio. If I can throw like a like a late third or something because people are totally out, then why not take the chance? Yeah, absolutely. He is definitely definitely worth taking that chance on. Um, he is he was one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game, and he's still playing the game. And so I think he's definitely worth taking a shot on. Um, and his price tag is so cheap right now. It's definitely worth it. Um, my first sleeper here is Brandon Cooks. Um, Love Cooks. Brandon Cooks, I don't understand why he is so underrated. Um, every season he's got 100 targets. He's been a top 20 wide receiver. Um, there's one season in there where he didn't get a hundred targets because he had, um, issues with injury, getting back on the field. And, and this guy is going behind Mike Williams, behind Allen Robinson, behind Juju Smith-Schuster, behind Hunter Renfro, behind Cortland Sutton. And this guy does it every single year. I like to call him diet Mike Evans because he is Mike Evans, but he doesn't score as many touchdowns. Like if you comp their their seasons, you know, besides that one season, Cooks has had a thousand yards every year. Mike Evans has had a thousand every year, but Cooks just isn't a, a, a red zone beast. But other than that, they're similar players, and they're going five five rounds apart, and they're the same age. So i i just I just get flabbergasted with how how disrespected Cooks is in the in the fantasy community because he's a top 20 wide receiver each and every year I 100% agree with you Brandon Cooks has been one of my favorite players for fantasy because every single year like you're saying he is underrated and, and I think there was this perception in the past that like Robert Woods was so underrated for fantasy and this and that and and Cooks never gets the love that that he deserves my biggest like preseason hit was a, a board session, so I usually do board sessions <laughs> yeah. in my office, and it was Brandon Cooks. His ADP in this video I have it in front of me was uh, wide receiver 39, and I was saying, you know, looking at all of his finishes in the past, 2020, uh, 17, 2018, 13, 2017, 15, 2016, 10, 2015, 13 for the wide receiver finish for fantasy, it was nothing like he's ever done before, so I didn't understand why his, his – uh, draft stock slips so low and he before this season before the season he had five a thousand plus yard receiving season he had five seasons of 114 plus targets so you can count on brandon cooks until he is 
gone or has this big, you know, um, athleticism dip because he's old or something like that. You can count on him going for over a thousand receiving yards. You can count on him for getting probably 115 plus targets on a given year. And you can count on him just being a guy that on any given week can score you 20 fantasy points. So I a hundred percent agree with you. And I promise that the sooner we get, or the closer we get to the season, his value is probably not going to change because everybody's going to be worried about, you know, the quarterback situation. And, you know, if he doesn't move, let's say he doesn't move and the Texans are not very good. And, you know, this young guy is going to be a breakout. So I don't really want Brandon cooks and he's going to be a value again, like he is every single year. Yeah, absolutely. I think I had him as my wide receiver, like 17 in my rankings in redraft last year. And man, did I get so berated for it. And, and he finished as the wide receiver 20. And so um, I, I love love taking him everywhere because he's just a sleeper. He's a perennial sleeper, and I don't think it's ever going to change. I agree. 100% agree. All right. Who's your second guy here? All right. So uh, another guy that not not like this deep league sleeper. I'm just going to throw this out there. We're talking about guys that are going to break out in, in, in this coming season, potentially love Elijah Moore. Probably not a sleeper, so I'm gonna leave him off this list. Uh, he yeah. just comes to mind every time I think of like an undervalued person. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Marquise Brown, and 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 a lot of people will not like that, but with Lamar Jackson this past season, he looked very good for fantasy. He actually uh-huh. started really hot weeks one through seven before the bye. He was the wide receiver six overall. He averaged 18.6 fantasy points. Very good. Following the bye, 9 through 17, he was a wide receiver, 31. He averaged like 12 fantasy points. He had six games of 19-plus fantasy points, six games under 10 fantasy points, seven games of 10-plus targets. So he finishes the wide receiver 17, but the way, again, how he's perceived, I think is very, very low. And I don't think people understand that, you know, the connection with Lamar Jackson was very evident. And things change when your 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 quarterback that you did the entire season preparation from doesn't play in a bunch of games. And Marquise Brown, when I look at fantasy dynasty rankings and uh, where he's going in startup drafts, goes pretty late for a guy that was the clear a clear uh, wide receiver one when he was with Lamar Jackson. And everybody loves Rashad Bateman, and everybody loves Mark Andrews. And I don't blame them. I, I like both of those guys, too. But Marquise Brown was good, and he still gets a lot of hate, I think, from the drops from the year prior and things like that. But because, again, of the perception versus, hey, he was a top six wide receiver with Lamar Jackson, I'll, I'll take that perceived value dip, I, I'll, and I'll take a chance, even though it's going to be an offense with some question marks because of the different pass catchers. Yeah, I I – Marquise Brown is a guy that I view in a similar light as Cooks is that he he performs each and every year um, and he's gotten better every year. Yeah. And people just because he didn't become A.J. Brown or Terry McLaurin and he's last year he was on pace to to be much better than Terry McLaurin. But yes, but for some reason they the community just does not appreciate him, does not respect him for, for the output that he's had. And, and so it's pretty sad, but again, he's a sleeper. He's a guy that I'm going to target in and out uh, of every draft um, because 
he's just his value does not does not match to his output. I'm gonna put you on the spot real quick, real quick. Yeah, R- real life question. Uh huh. One quarterback league. Would you? Would you in a twelve? 12- Team Dynasty League, would you pay the 112 for Marquise Brown? Oh, would... absolutely. Okay. No right. question about it. All right. Um wanted to it... see wanted to see because I, I had this like debate before and you know I heard different perspectives, but uh that's interesting to hear. So I like that. Yeah, I mean when you a lot of people are down on this draft class. Um and I don't love this draft class but it is pretty deep at wide receiver Uh, but when you're talking about a one qb league um let's say the three running backs um that are considered in the top tier you've got you've got burks london wilson um kind of in that top tier of wide receiver after that marquise brown is is better than the other options out there for me um and i would probably take him um, I would probably trade the 1.06 for Marquise Brown. And, and like, I don't have him as high as, um, Akash, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, obsessed. I had him on my, my, my show, uh, talking about Marquise actually. Yeah. And so like, I like him, but I just, I don't have him anywhere in the world, but he's just, uh, he continues to get better every year. And I do think that he's going to out target Rashad Bateman. Um, and so right now I'm actually trying to sell Rashad Bateman because I think he is the third fiddle in that rushing attack. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, my second wide receiver buy here. Um, I'm, I'm going to skip my second one here and go to my third, but I'm going to go with DJ Chark. Um, I personally think that he's a, a better talent than Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I'll get a lot of flack for that. Um, and that's okay because Chark, we've seen him perform at an elite level, um, with a bad QB room. Um, a lot of people love Gardner Minshew, but he's, he's not an absolute beast. Nick Foles had his time and has not done anything since. Um, and so with Jared Goff or a rookie, uh, QB, in the helm, I think that uh, DJ Chark's going to be that veteran they looked to. He's a he's a solid go up and come down with the ball wide receiver. And when your QB isn't super accurate, um, that's a guy that's going to win those jump balls. And I think he was a great target for the Lions to go get for Jared Goff. Um, and so I'm. I think he's going to be undervalued because he's on the Lions because of what Amon Ross St. Brown did at the la- end of last year. Um, most people are going to dive into his pool and leave Chark for dust. And I think Chark, although he's not going to have an elite season this season, I, I think that he will will be undervalued for sure. Yeah, I think the, the injuries to, to- – uh, Shark is what brought his his value down, and in, in, uh, I, I think people have just overanalyzed um, him missing games before. When in reality, uh, you mentioned it before, he had an elite season: 2019, 14 games played, uh, wide receiver 16 overall, 15.6 
average fantasy points with the quarterbacks that you already named. Um, seven games above that average, three games above 100 receiving yards, with two of them being 146 and 164 receiving yards. So we've seen uh, him be very good for fantasy in the past. He's a 6'4 receiver, big guy. He can score touchdowns. Um, I, I agree with you that I feel like his value will be very low uh, this offseason because of everybody's love for Ramon Ross St. Brown. And let's say at the end of the day, both guys are just flex plays, right? Because they both, you know, are, are, are playing in a system where, you know, Swift catches the ball and TJ Hawkinson catches the ball. What if they bring in another guy? Fine. But let's say they both end up being flex plays. What you pay for Amon Ross St. Brown versus what you pay for Chark is going to be two completely different things with Chark being the guy that's all the way at the bottom of that that list. So I, I do agree on that. And when you've seen a guy in, in the past have a solid fantasy season, those are guys you need to buy into because uh, a bigger level, you know, I'm not comparing the two, but in the past we saw Cooper Cup have a top 10 fantasy season. And everybody's like, well, we never seen this coming this season. Well, he was a top 10 guy before, just like Leonard Fournette. Like I'd never seen this coming. He was going to be a top 10 running back. Well, he, he was before in the past too. So we saw Chark in the, in the past be a top 16 guy. So he, right. he can do it, you know? Yeah. I, um, he's definitely one of my favorite buys right now. Just nobody wants a player on the lions. And so, um, that enhances, oh, well, for me, it enhances his value because he's just going to be that much cheaper. Um, all right, let's each do a tight end quick here, and then we're going to have to wrap it up. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, uh, cool. Kovet was one of my picks before, but again, we've talked about a bunch of bear stuff. Uh, I won't talk about him. I, I've talked about this other guy in a, another podcast recently, but, uh, Brevin Jordan's a guy that interests me because in a small sample size, he was having a bunch of tight end one finishes. So his first snaps were not until week eight. And a lot of people have mentioned like, well, if he wasn't beating out, you know, Jordan Atkins and you know, how is he valuable? This and that, but we, we know that the timetable for a rookie tight end, is usually not like immediately an impact. Uh, we've seen it before where uh, some guys are, but some guys take a little bit to develop in a system. Um, but Brevin Jordan, so starting week eight, when he first was getting snaps, he was the tight end five. Then week 12, he was the tight end 12. Week 14, he was a tight end six. Week 16, he was the tight end 11. He had three touchdowns during that span from week eight on. So we saw one, two, three, four weeks of being a top uh, 12 tight end for fantasy and what does that mean? Was it was a top 12 uh, tight end for fantasy, like 10 points or 20 points on a given week? You know, it, it ranges because right. that's a very unpredictable uh, position. But on the Texans, you mentioned Brandon Cooks. We know he's that dude for their system if he uh, is still going to be there. Brevin Jordan has an opportunity to be involved uh, this coming season. For a team that's building and seeing a bunch of tight end one finishes, I'm going to take a, a, a late round chance on him um, having some relevancy in this, this coming season, because again, I, I love opportunity and I love, uh, involvement in an offense that can somewhat be consistent. Yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed watching the film of Brevin Jordan. I think he's a, he's a solid player and, and he could really come out to be the second, second fiddle in that offense. Um, um, but I've been in some tight end premium drafts. Uh, that Brevin Jordan is going in the same tier as um, Dawson Knox and 
and Dalton really? Schultz. Really? Really? Absolutely. It was like Dalton Schultz, too. Really? I would never <laughs> expect that. The, well, they were kind of tied together before free agency. Like Schultz would go, and then five picks later, Knox would go. Um, Interesting. But like where his value is on keep trade cut, I would yeah. agree. But um, if he's going in that same tier as those guys, I, I just can't get any ownership of him because yeah, no I, I can't buy him at the price of somebody who's had a you know, a top six tight end season. And uh, when we've seen a couple of games from him. And so um, I'm excited to see what he can do as a prospect. But um, from what I've seen, he, people aren't sleeping on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, Fantasy pros, uh, obviously uh, they're not drafting in in leagues. Fantasy pros, dynasty rankings have him at tight end 21. So like to to that, Absolutely. That, yeah, that that. So I guess it just depends on your league, right? Uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to go with somebody who just signed today, and I'm going to say that Hayden Hurst is a sleeper. Um. He is. He's a solid receiving tight end who's just never gotten his opportunity. Um. And he signed with the Cincinnati Bengals today. Uh, C.J. Uzama was was on the field a lot. Got got quite a few targets, quite a few looks. And I think that Hayden Hurst is a better tight end. Um, and so while he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be a top 12 tight end in, in that offense. There's just T Higgins. You've got Jamar Chase. You've got Joe Mixon. Um, and I don't know that he will, he might out receive Joe Mixon, but um I think he's an underrated asset, um, and I actually tried to see if he was in, available in free agency in all my dynasty leagues. Once I saw that he had he had signed, and he'll be the first tight end on the roster there. So um, I've always liked him as kind of a sleeper guy, um, somebody who's who has untapped potential. But he was behind Mark Andrews, and then. And then he was going to have an opportunity and then Kyle Pitts comes in. And and so um, hopefully that the Cincinnati Bengals don't draft Trey McBride and, and crush all my dreams. But yeah, I, I would love to see Hayden Hurst do something really nice this season. Yeah. The uh, 2020 wasn't bad, actually 2020. Um, he had most of the season above uh, 60% of the snaps. Um and he had a bunch of weeks kind of in the, in the teens, it looks like, or somewhere between like 10 and, and 15-ish fantasy points. So even if somehow he has those weeks with the Bengals, you know, he's that guy that's, you know, open in the middle of the field because you got Higgins and Chase and Boyd uh, drawing all the attention, and he finds weeks where he scores 13 fantasy points. That's still useful for the position if you think about it because – uh, a lot of guys on a weekly basis are scoring under 10 fantasy points. So opportunity is there. Um, will the Bengals get a Trey McBride or something like that? I mean, before we've seen them pass <laughs> on a, a major team need and go and grab somebody. But um, I think, again, opportunity is key, and he, he's got a decent one there with the Bengals. All right. I think that's going to wrap us up here, but I want to know where we can find you, Nick. Sure, you can find me uh, at P2W Fantasy on Twitter. That's with the number two. Um, 
all my content is on Twitter. I'm also on um, TikTok, and I have a, a podcast uh, as well. Um, I do a bunch of random stuff throughout the week. Uh, in all honesty, I'll drop uh, live streams, my podcast. I'll have guests on, uh, written content, short videos, just a big mix of everything. I do stuff for fantasy points. Um, just trying to stay active in this community. And uh, what I don't get to do enough is guests on podcasts. So um, I'm really thankful you had me on here today. This was a fun one. And it's uh, it's good talking football with, uh, with new people uh, face-to-face all the time. So appreciate it, man. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to have you on and and someday we'll get you back here again and we can talk about how the, the Bears made the playoffs in two years and what and won, and won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sounds absolutely. Good. Sounds good to me. All right. Thank you again, Nick.